mouth of children. One of the kids behind me said, is it over? <laughs> I didn't want to turn around and say, no, not quite. But I'm going to ask you guys, when I started Friday night with the kids, I, you know, kind of break the ice. I asked them some questions. So if kids, if you were there Friday night, you can't answer these. Let's see how the adults do, right? So what do you call an old snowman? Water. That's right, water. You said that. Yeah. Then one more. What did bacon say to tomato? What did bacon say to tomato? Let's make a sandwich. Yeah, let us get together. You like that? But that's, by the way, that's one of my favorite sandwiches. So if you're just bored during the summer and you have nothing to do and you want to cook bacon and get tomato and lettuce and just run it up here Monday through Friday, I'll eat it. That's some good stuff. Well, guys, I want you to turn your Bibles to James in the fourth chapter. I want to begin with this statement. Self-sufficiency or relying on ourselves is considered arrogant and evil in the sight of God. Let me read that again. Self-sufficiency relying on ourselves is considered arrogant and evil in the sight of God. But wow, it happens, doesn't it? James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17 is our text for this morning. James uses a business analogy to drive home a point that he wanted his audience to get. You know, if you ever study through the book of James, it's very, very practical. It's just life stuff. Um, and he uses this analogy to drive home this point. That one should not plan, listen to this, one should not plan apart from God. John Walbert says in commenting on this passage, living a self-sufficient life apart from God is the depth of foolishness. <laughs> living a self-sufficient life apart from God is the depth of foolishness. I have to be quite honest, when I started preparing for this morning, I, I was like, Lord, redirect me. Because I was thinking about my life. I wasn't thinking about your life. I was thinking about my life. How many things in my life have I planned apart from God? You ever done that? Planned apart from God? <laughs> if you haven't, then you need to be teaching. Because, I mean, this is, a, this is huge. It's serious. Um, it's easy to plan apart from God. And, then, and, and this is how it happens. We plan and we plan and we want God to get on board with our plan. But I think James kind of presents it in a different way. And, and I really want to share it with you because as I was reading and, and studying and, and meditating, I was confessing, man, Lord, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And wow, how many times have I been guilty? I'm thankful for forgiveness, right? 
but I'm guilty. Um, I want you to look with me, and the passage breaks down pretty simply. Um, there's three points that I want to emphasize this morning um, from verses 13 through 17. The first one is that we have the presence of pride described by James. How does pride look? Look in verse 13 with me. He says, come now. Now that word is an interesting word. It means to pay attention, listen up. In other words, he wants their attention. Um, whenever I was playing uh, baseball, Legion ball in, in high school, when a guy would get on base and, and uh, there'd be guys on base and um, there was an opportunity to hit those guys in, um, the guys in the dugout would, would be yelling to the, to the batter, come now, come now. And what that meant was, hey, there's guys on base, pay attention, you need to get a hit. Now, James is not talking about baseball, but what he is talking about is paying attention, listen up. So I guess if it's good enough for the readers then, then probably we should pay attention too. I know the Lord got my attention. <laughs> So the presence of pride is described. Look in verse 13. Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. This verse, my friends, reeks with arrogance. And arrogance, James identifies in verse 16. Notice what he says about arrogance. But as it is you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is what? Evil. Where's the boasting? Look at this. Verse 13, he plans his departure. He says, today or tomorrow. He plans the location, such and such a city. He plans his stay. His stay was to be a year. He plans the details of his job. He's going to engage in business. He plans for a profit. Now the world looks at that and goes, right? That's that's the world. The world does that. In fact, we would say it's quite normal in the world, wouldn't we? We look at verse 13. It's pretty normal for the world. Um... But did you know that things don't go sometimes as expected? Did you know that? Have you lived long enough to know that? (laughs) Um, So you go back through it and the plan of departure is there today or tomorrow. But we don't know what today or tomorrow may hold, do we? He plans his location in such a city. It's going to be there. It might not be there. He plans the length of his stay a year. Well, he might not make it a year. He plans the details of his job, but it might not go as expected. He plans for a profit, but there might not be one. <laughs> you see, the problem in the, in, that James is presenting is not planning. Planning is not an issue. In fact, stewardship of time is commendable in Scripture. We're to be good stewards of our time. We're to plan out. Nothing wrong with stewardship. Do you know what the problem is? The illustration here is they're planning apart from God. That's the problem. And guys, when the Lord was dealing with me this week, and he was dealing with me hard and heavy, he's like, well, Thad, you've done that a bunch in your life. 
And I'm here to confess as a brother in Christ, I've done that a bunch in my life. I don't know if you've ever come to this text and just kind of really thought through it and meditated on it. Planning's not the issue. It's planning apart from God. We need to plan with God. Whatever it is in our lives, whether we're talking about our job, whether we're talking about our family, whether we're talking about school. You know, when we use phrases, and I know we don't always mean them like they sound, but we'll say, I've decided to do this and I've decided to do that. And, and I understand what's happening there in conversation, but, but wow, if we could get just used to this saying, you know, the Lord has shown me I need to, the Lord has shown me I need to, the Lord has shown me I need to. So you have the problem of pride that's described. It's a plague, really, isn't it? Pride is. In fact, if you go back and read Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, Satan had the same problem. I will, I will, I will, I will. We know from Proverbs that God hates pride. It's detestable to him. So you have this illustration here about the presence of pride. And then you go to verse 14 and he talks about the problem of pride. Look at verse 14. Here it is, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Wow. What's the problem with pride? Well, the problem here in the text is that there's a complete dismissal. Now, I want you to hear this. A complete dismissal of the sovereignty of God. James is saying, you're not in control. Man is not in control. How many of you believe that God's in control? He's in control. That's what James is saying. Through these two statements, he reminds his readers of two very extremely important points. The first is the unknown of life in verse 14, part A. He says, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. In fact, Proverbs says, do not boast about tomorrow. Proverbs 27, 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. And all of us that are older say, amen. We don't know what the day is going to bring forward. We don't know how it's going to change. Psalm 139, verse 16. The psalmist writes, thine eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in thy book, they were written all written, the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. It's the unknown of life. We think, well, tomorrow and the next week and the next year and and maybe we have, hey, there's nothing wrong with planning, like I said, but it's planning without God. You know, there were back in September 11th, 2001, just at the World Trade Centers, there were 2,753 people who went to the World Trade Centers. Now, do you think in their minds they had, when I get done today, I'm going? Absolutely. We do that. But guys, their life ended that day. We don't know what's around the corner, but we know who's around the corner, (laughs) right? The Lord is around the corner. I don't know what today is gonna present. I don't know what tomorrow is gonna present, but, but I trust the Lord. I trust Him. We sang that today. I trust Him. He's sovereign. He's in control. I think sometimes people live life like God owes them. 
God owes me so many years of life. He doesn't know us a thing. Every day that I breathe, it's by the grace of God. Teresa had a cousin who um, was 17 years old. Back in 1994, 95, around that, that, I remember that because I was coming down for the summers to Southeastern to work on my master's degree. And so in the summertime, I'd spend, I don't know, three or four weeks down here and she'd come down. And one of her cousins was driving on 31, he and his buddy. And they're in a car and they're thinking about the speed of that car. They're thinking about how, how great life is. And they lost, he lost control of the car, went across 31, flipped out. They were ejected from the vehicle. Their life ended. Happens, doesn't it? People get up every single morning. I'm going to work, I'm coming home. We don't know. So he reminds them of the unknown of life in the first part of verse 14. Then he reminds them of the brevity of life. You're really going to love this. Look at the end of 14. You are just a vapor. Some translations have a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. (laughs) You know, in Psalm 90 and verse 10, Moses said this, as for the days of our life, they contain 70 years. Or if due to strength, 80 years. And I'm going, huh. So I started doing some calculation just because I was curious. And to this point, I've lived 19,162 days. You do the math for your own life. I've lived 19,162 days. And if by God's grace I live to 70, wow, this was kind of rough. I have 6,408 days left. That's not long. And if by the grace of God, I make it to 80, then I have 10,058 days left. I've lived a good part of my life, haven't I? If I make it to 70, I've lived a good part of my life by the grace of God. See, because every day is by the grace of God. Teresa also had another member of her family. His name was Bruce. He just... He went to be with the Lord just a few years ago. He was riding in his truck and he was on a back highway and it had just started raining and, and he lost control of the vehicle and he went down into a ravine and he hit a truck and his life ended. I mean, he hit a tree and his life ended that day in his truck, 20 years old. Life's short, guys. It's short. We're not promised another day. The, the question becomes then, if I'm not promised another day, And I don't know what the future holds. I know who holds the future, but I don't know what the future holds in this life, on this earth. How imperative is it to live every day according to the will of God? It's huge. I'm just telling you the things that the Lord shared with me, right? That's what I'm I'm communicating to you today. The brevity of life, it's short. So if you're out there and you're already 70, hey, right? Icing on the cake. And if you're already 80, right, you're like, man, double icing. I calculated my grandfather. My grandpa Almond lived the oldest in my family, and he lived almost 30,000 days in his life. You ever thought about what do we do with our days, right? I mean, it kind of puts it into perspective. I was thinking, wow, 
you know, how many, and I'm not talking to you guys, I'm talking to myself, how many days have I wasted? Wasted days. We'll give account for those wasted days. I like this verse. There's no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. I love that. But that doesn't mean we won't stand before the author of life and yet give account for our life. We most certainly will. So you have the problem with pride described, the unknown of life, the brevity of life. And then he gives the prescription for pride. What, how, how do we deal with this issue? Look at verse 15. He says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that. Now, that's different, isn't it? You know, I read a lot of different commentaries on this verse just because I was interested to what some of the guys said. And um, I was amazed at the number of guys that said, well, is this something we should really say every day? And I'm going, yeah, it is. I don't care how many books you've written. Yeah, it is. There's an attitude in our life that should reflect, Lord, if it is your will. Does that sound right? Man, does that sound familiar to you? And, and a prayer that the Lord taught his disciples in Matthew 6. By the way, people call it the Lord's Prayer. Um, the Lord didn't sin. That's not his prayer. His prayer is in John 17. So you want to be read about his prayer, that's where it is just to help you out. But in Matthew 6, that's the disciples' prayer. And what does he say? He begins at what? How does he begin? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, what? Thy will be done. Man, I wish I was so disciplined as to do that all the time. <laughs> thy will be done, Lord. The answer really is having a godly perspective. It's looking up. My friends, listen, we need to plan with God in mind. We need to plan with God in mind. Psalm 37 says that. Psalm 37 verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He will do it. Commit your way to the Lord. I want to end this morning with just a couple of thoughts, and they're a little bit long, so be patient with me. First one comes from Proverbs chapter 16. I want you to go in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16. And we have in Proverbs 16 what I, obviously Proverbs is a book of wisdom, but I'm calling it wisdom. Wisdom versus foolishness. So we want to be, read about wisdom first. Wisdom comes from Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from who? It's from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. Notice verse 3. Commit your works to the Lord. Yeah, I read that. That's what he expects. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Yeah, as the wisdom says that we plan with God in mind. That we don't plan apart from God. But there's an illustration of foolishness that 
several men referred to in this particular passage in James, and, and it's in, found in Luke. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12, and it's in the parable. S. Lewis Johnson, Walbert, a bunch of these guys refer to this in comparing wisdom and foolishness. Wisdom says, I plan with God. Wisdom says, I say if the Lord wills. Foolishness is illustrated in a parable Jesus told for the purpose of illustrating presumptuous living, uh, living, leaving God out of one's plans. So I want you to look with me, Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 20. 21, excuse me. Verse 16, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a certain rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, what shall I do? I want you to notice all this. What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. (laughs) I will, I will, I will. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He's a fool. I think I was thinking about how many fools are walking around today. Lord, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be a fool. So there's the contrast between wisdom and foolishness. But then there's a th- second thought that I want to share with you in closing. And I want to share one, one story with you. Um, back to James in the fourth chapter. And I think this application of verse 17 is broader than just this particular issue that he's dealing with. Because he talks about humility a good bit. In fact, if you want to link the chapters 4 and 5, there's a lot of, of, of humility discussion in those chapters. And there's a lot of practical things that he wants his audience to do. And so, verse 17 says, Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do, <laughs> and does not do it, it's okay. Is that what it says? Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is what? It's sin. Now, guys, that's a hard one. Because if you've lived a number of years as a believer, and I have, I was saved when I was seven years old, and I've been under good Bible teaching and good instruction a lot of years. And I know what the Lord requires of me. Do you know, there's been times in my life, I confess, I have outright disobeyed. Anybody in that canoe with me or am I by myself? Outright disobeyed. But James is saying, listen, if you know what to do and don't do it, it's sin. It's that three-letter word that no one in our culture likes to hear about. Life's short, guys. It's a mist. We don't know what's around the corner. 
right? Life's short. So we need to spend our days honoring the Lord by saying, Lord, if it's your will. I was thinking about life being short and being a mist. And I used to work for a sprinkler company years ago. I really kind of enjoyed that job. Um, we got to put sprinkler systems in people's yards. And, and, and you'd go to the, I'll just give you an illustration. You'd go to a, a yard that was pretty big. And you'd usually put four heads in the four corners of the yard. And those babies, when they would be set to the timer, they'd come up, they'd pop up. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. I mean, they would cover that yard. I mean, they were powerful, but it did its job. Now, when you went to the little gardens that it seemed like my boss always sent me to with the little ladies that really loved their gardens, I would say to them, in order to get what's needed I'm going to have to step around and on your roses is that okay and they're like no it's not okay I remember breaking many a rose bush but in those little gardens you would put little heads and these little heads would pop up they look like little flowers blooming pop up and they'd be just enough to cover the flowers. And but you know what happened? They'd come up and they would, mist would disappear. And the next day would come up and the mist would disappear. Hey guys, our life's like that. We're here and we're gone. Two questions. Where are you going? Number one. That important? Absolutely. I'm standing before you and thankful that I know without a shadow of a doubt that my citizenship's in heaven and I'm going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. When I close my eyes, listen to me, when I close my eyes in death, there's a promotion going on. Not a demotion. I like the way Tony Evans says it. He says it that way. It's a promotion, not a demotion. Why do we treat it like it's a demotion? We probably ought to think about that. Do you know Christ, right? Are you ready? Have you trusted him as your savior? And then if you have, and right, and you're looking at this passage and you're going, wow, Thad, could you have not picked another passage for today? I'm just doing what the Lord showed me to do because it was more for me than anybody else. Because the bottom line is this. My life, listen, God deserves my attention. And every single day I need to say, uh, say to him, Lord, if it is your will, can I just do like a real quick commercial for that as it relates to children because that's having kids out of the house now I've thought about it a lot if it's your will Lord for my child that's what I want right you want God's will for your child do you really want God's will for your child <laughs> what if God's will for your child is to go around the world and, and share the gospel in places that are not real safe is that okay I mean when you think about it that's pretty heavy stuff right but we want ultimately right we want the will of God we cannot forget guys that God is sovereign he's in control of all things and as we sang this morning we can trust in him because he listen not only does he know yesterday perfectly he knows today perfectly and he knows tomorrow perfectly and next week and next year and 10,000 years from now perfectly I can't imagine eternity but I'm looking forward to being in the presence of my Savior. I trust you are too. I wanted to end this morning with a song, not that I'm going to sing it, but um, one that the praise team does. 
I really, really like that speaks about the sovereignty of the Lord.